Okay, earlier today, I sent out a text asking you guys who your favorite TV or movie villain is. We're talking about your favorite TV or movie villain is. And so some of you guys have responded. Let's take a look and see who we got. I see uh, we got the Joker. That's a good one. We got Mr. Gold, some Once Upon a Time fans. Uh, Captain Hook. Uh, President Scrooge from Spaceballs, that would be my brother, I'm pretty sure. Jafar was mine. I grew up on a Disney kid, Aladdin. You know, Jafar was, was pretty awesome. Ursula, little, uh, a little Little Mermaid there. Uh, Darth Vader, of course. I think that was also Wes with his Star Wars reference. Um, uh, who else is up there? Mini-Me and the Monstars with the, uh, I dig whoever sent in the, the, Space Jam reference. That's awesome. So, he, But here's the thing. I want you to imagine. These are all great movie villains and TV bad guys and whatnot. I want you to imagine an, a, a world, a universe in which all of these bad guys are, are there. You are the hero of this universe, and you have to defeat all of them. Now, would you face Ursula the same way you would attack the Joker. No, you would not. You would not because why? Why would you not attack Ursula the same way you would attack the Joker? Because Ursula lives underwater. That's the obvious answer. And obviously they have different tactics, and so you have to pay attention. If the football team, Taylor, if the football team was playing against a team that had a bunch of defensive backs that were like me, short, fat, and slow, you guys would throw the ball all over the place knowing that you could beat those guys all night long. On the other hand, if you were facing a team that had a really a bunch of tall, fast defensive backs, but they didn't have much of a line, you'd run the ball all day because you have to know who you're going against in order to coordinate your attack. And that's the same way in our spiritual life. Did you know that you have a spiritual enemy? You do. You have a spiritual enemy. There are Many places in the Bible that talk about this. I'm going to give you one of them, and that is Ephesians 6.12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know what that scripture tells me? You know what that, that scripture tells me? The struggle is real, y'all. The struggle is real. We are all in a battle. We are in a fight a spiritual fight against, not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers of the heavenly realms. In other words, it's a spiritual battle. Now, why is it important to know this? Okay, I'm going to give you the answer to that question in the form of a Jim Rayleigh quote. Jim Rayleigh's a great preacher in Florida and Ormond Beach, one of my favorite preachers. He says, you'll never win a fight if you don't know you're in a fight. Okay, you'll never win a fight if you don't know you're in a fight. If you get attacked from behind before you even know somebody's coming after you, you're automatically at a disadvantage because they've got you from behind and they caught the element of surprise. You didn't know you were in a fight, but they knew you were in a fight. And so you'll never win a fight if you don't know you're in a fight. And so if we know we're in a fight, we have an enemy, we need to learn about that enemy so we can prepare for how to defend against the enemy. Okay, we're going to look in uh, John 10, 10 tonight. This is going to be our main our main text. And, and, and John 10, 10, you guys have heard it. We focus a lot on the second part, but tonight we're going to talk about the first part. It says, the thief comes only to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's Jesus 
speaking. He's saying, I have come life. I have come that they may have life to the full. But the enemy comes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's, let's get a little more specific. The first thing the enemy is here to do is the enemy wants to steal your identity. The enemy wants to steal your identity. When you become a Christian, when we begin our walk with Jesus, we are given an identity. We are not the old person that we were before we met Jesus. We become a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. So when we become a Christian, we're no longer that same old person. We become a new creation. Here's another part of our identity. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So when we, when we become Christians, when we meet Jesus, we become children of God. We become children of the King. Okay, and that's our identity is as a child of the King, of the King of Kings. But, but the enemy wants to take that away. The, the enemy wants to steal your identity. The, the, the enemy wants to convince you that you're still the old guy. So you know that addiction you used to struggle with? You're not free of that. The, the enemy wants to tell you that. The enemy wants to tell you that the thing that's been holding you back, that fear that's been holding you back, you can't get over that. That's, that's still you. You know, just because you, uh, you know, say you're a Christian now, you can't get past those things. The, that's what the enemy tries to tell you. See, when your identity is stolen, like in, in, in the modern, when you're, you know, when somebody's actual identity is stolen, what they lose is, is they lose control. They can't get into their bank accounts anymore, and, and they can't, you know, have control over their Social Security number and all this kind of stuff, because with your identity comes the authority. As a child of the king, you know, a prince and a princess, or a, they have a certain level of authority. There's certain things that they can do simply because of whose child they are. And it's the same way with Christianity. We have, a, we have a, a spiritual authority by our relationship with God, by our, our childhood in the kingdom. We have that authority. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants to take that authority away. He wants to steal your identity, and therefore you'll have no authority in Christ. The enemy wants to take your identity. Number two, the enemy wants to kill your purpose. You were born on purpose, or you were created on purpose for a purpose. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I love this, this imagery of God creating us and knitting us together. Here's another scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So let's take this together. Let's look at this. We've got this imagery of God knitting us together. This imagery, this idea that God created us with his hands. But 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 we also know that he had a plan for us. So I, so I was thinking about this today. You know, we have this this idea of God creating us and I can just see God getting all excited. He's 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 working and he's creating you and knitting you together in your mother's room. Oh man. Oh man, she's going to reach Oh, she, one day she's going to tell that friend about Jesus. And I'm going to have a relationship with both of them. And that guy here, he's going to reach this whole group of people. 
And, and, and he or she's going to be in a, in a position of influence in her school so that they can reach several people. And, and this guy, oh man, it's so much fun making him because I know he's going to end up a, a Christian politician who's going to influence his community. And this one here, they're going to end up a Christian teacher who's going who's to be able to influence thousands of students over the course of a career. And this one here, you're going to be a preacher or a worship leader. You know, God created us with a plan in mind. And he's put that in each one of us. See, the devil wants to take away that purpose. He wants to leave you hollow and empty, looking to what, for, for something else to fill that hole that God has put, you know, that, that there's, if there's a hole where God has your purpose, and the enemy wants to take that purpose and let you fill that purpose hole with something else. What uh, does any, do you think that the devil wants you or needs you to be some drug-dealing, alcoholic uh, person that sleeps around with everybody that they can see. Is that, is that what the devil you know, needs out of you? No, not at all. You see, all the devil needs to do is to distract you. Let me put it this way. Satan doesn't care what you do as long as you don't do what you're purposed to do. Satan, care, doesn't, care, Satan doesn't care what you do as long as you don't do what you're purposed to do. We have to be aware of distractions. And you know what? Sometimes good things can be distractions. Okay, sometimes our extracurriculars, good as they may be, they distract us from our true purpose. Sometimes certain friends, as good a friend as they are, they can distract us from our true purpose. Y'all want to know what mine was, what my big distraction was? Her name was Rachel. Rachel was awesome. Okay, Rachel was a great girl. She was cute. She was really smart. She was fun to hang around with. Uh, you know, my parents liked her. She was like a family friend. Her parents knew me, and, and my parents knew her, and, and that was all good. And, and so you might think, okay, well, well how, did, how was she a distraction? Maybe she caused, maybe she caused your grades to suffer because you spent so much time with her. Nope. She actually took way harder classes than I did and got better grades. Like she was all, you know, she, she graduated ahead of me in our class. She had really good grades, and that was not an issue for Rachel. You might think, okay, maybe, well, maybe she, like, was into the party and drug scene, and, you know, she got, no, not, not at all. She was actually Mormon. She didn't even drink caffeine, let alone, you know, drugs or alcohol, none of that kind of stuff. That was a non-issue. You might think, well, maybe, maybe you guys had, like, physical and sexual temptations, you know, but that wasn't it. We never even kissed. I don't even know if we ever hold hands. I mean, we hugged a lot, but, I, you know, there was, that was never an issue. So you think, okay, so why, what, what, if she didn't do all those things, what, what was the deal? The deal was this. She had my attention. My whole senior year of high school, I was distracted by Rachel away from what God had put me on the world, on this earth, to do. And so that's what the devil wants to do. The devil will put things in your path that will distract you and will draw you away from God's purpose. Think of it like an arrow. You might think, okay, I'm not going that far off course, but think of it like an, like an arrow. If I'm aiming for a bullseye on the back of the room and I'm aimed right here and I just go like three or four degrees to my right, it's only a little bit off right here, but by the time it gets to the back of the room, it's going to be four feet away from the bullseye. All it takes is a little distraction to knock us off course in the long run. Here's the third thing the devil wants to do. The devil wants to destroy your life and drag you to hell. They think that escalated quickly, and yes, it did. Because here's the thing. The devil doesn't really, I don't believe the devil cares that much about us. 
The devil wants to fight with God. That's who the devil's beef is with, is with God. And, and we have the opportunity, because God loves us, the devil will attack us. You've seen it in movies where they can't get to the guy, so they take his daughter or his girlfriend or his wife or something like that. They attack something that the person cares about to get to the person. That's what the devil does. The devil doesn't really, the devil wants to get at God, but he can't get to God, so he goes after you and he goes after me because we are loved by God. So we've got, okay, the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. How do we avoid these things? How do we beat the enemy? It's very simple. I'm going to give you three quick things here that will help you beat the enemy. First off is you got to know who you are in Christ. We talked earlier about, you know, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And, and you have been adopted as a son of the king or you've been given the, the, the identity of a child of the king. Reminds me of the movie Aladdin. I talked about it earlier when I talked about Jafar. But, you know, in Aladdin, the, the beginning of the movie, uh, Princess Jasmine dresses like a commoner. And she goes down into the marketplace to mingle with the commoners. And that's what the devil wants. The devil doesn't want you to be a child of the king. The devil wants you to be a commoner just like everybody else. But when you remember your identity and you know, you know what? I am a child of the king. I'm a prince or a princess. I do not have to do those other things. I don't have to go. I don't have to descend into those places. And it's not about an arrogance thing, but it's about a knowledge that, you know what, devil? You want me to be just like anybody, everybody else, but I know that God has called me to something higher because of my identity as a child of the king. You've got to know who you are in Christ. Number two, you've got to focus on your purpose. You've got to focus on your purpose. Because let me tell you something, when God puts a call on your life, it does not go away. That call does not disappear. How many of you at some point in your life, you have felt like God put a certain call on your life? Not even like to ministry, but you know God has said, okay, this is what I want you to do. Raise your hand. Okay, see, Yes, you almost everybody, almost everybody here has, has at some point felt like, okay, God, you want me to do this. Now, I speak from experience. Sometimes we start to look at everything else that's around in the world. And again, even those good things like I talked about, you know, with Rachel and friends, that kind of stuff. But we start to look at everything else and we begin to lose focus on our purpose because our purpose just ends up kind of in the peripheral. You know, we're not focused on it. And then we begin to wonder, well, maybe I heard God wrong. Maybe that's maybe maybe I misunderstood. Maybe that that's the issue. Maybe maybe God changed His mind. No, let me tell you, God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did not change, and His call on your life has not gone away. The issue is you have drifted, and I have been there. I was there, so I know what what it's like. I know that's very easy to do, but you have to stay focused. You have to keep that that purpose front and center in your mind so that the devil cannot take it away and it does not drift to the periphery of your mind's eye. We have to focus on our purpose and on what God has called us to do. And then here's the third thing. we got to remember that the battle has already been won. You see, the devil wants to, to destroy our lives and drag us to hell, but Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That's you and that's me. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. No weapon formed against you can prevail. Yes, we are in a battle, but the, but the decision has already been, been, been made. Imagine how confident you would be if you went into a game, a football game or a soccer game, whatever, knowing in advance the final score and that you won. 
right? You'd be so confident, you, you know, you'd be, it would be no issue because you know, okay, you know what? No matter where this game turns, even if it looks bad for a little while, I know the final score and we win the thing. So I'm just going to keep playing, I'm going to keep doing my thing, and eventually we're going we're gonna to win. That's how it is in our spiritual battles. The devil has already lost the battle. No weapon formed against us is going to prevail if we're in the will of God. And so what we have to do is go into our battles knowing that. You know, I remember when we were kids and I was a lot bigger than Wesley. You know, he didn't pick a lot of fights, but occasionally he would pick a fight with me. And let me tell you something. I went into those fights knowing that I was going to win because I was foot taller than him and 75 pounds heavier than him. You know, I just knew he can come at me. I'm going to knock him down. I'm going to put him down pretty quick, and that's why he didn't start that many fights. But, but we have to be aware. We have to go into our spiritual battles with the full knowledge that the battle is already won. The final score has been decided. We just have to play the plays to get there. We may not know every play that's going to get called. You know, you may get down in the third quarter a little bit. You know, we may be, it may seem like we're going to lose. It may be, it may seem like that. We, we don't know every twist and turn along the way, but we know the final score. So when the enemy comes to attack you, which he will, when the enemy comes to attack, know your identity in Christ, focus on your purpose, and remember that the battle has already been won. Let's close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for tonight. I thank you for the word, Lord, that has been given to us. I pray that, God, that when the enemy's darts begin to come, Lord, when the, when the enemy tries to convince us of one thing, we know that you already have it in control and you will have the last word, God. Heavenly Father, I pray that when the, when the enemy tries to, to take our identity, that we would remember these verses, God, that, that, that have told us that we are children of a king, of the king of kings, God. We are children of the, of the name above all names that holds the universe, and we have authority and power in that identity. Lord, we do not have to go back to the old man because the new has come. The old things have passed away. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would remember those things. I pray that you would remind us of our purpose and let us focus on our purpose. When the distractions come, God, when those things try and drag us to the left or to the right, Lord, that we would focus on what you have called each of us to do, that we would focus solely on you and on our purpose in life and on this earth. God, so that we would not be distracted by the things of this world. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would remind us of those things, God, and that when the enemy comes, Lord, we would know that the battle is already won. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen in between because we know that in the big picture, the final score has already been written. You have defeated death, hell, and the grave, and that nothing formed against us, no weapon formed against us will prevail. God, I pray that you would remind us of those things and bring them to memory when the enemy begins to attack, Lord. I just pray that you would do that in our lives, Lord. You continue to work and continue to grow us in you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would have your way in our lives. That you'd bless each student, bless every physical need, every financial need, Lord, that every family that is struggling, Lord, that, 
these principles of, of, of our identity and our purpose would come into play, Lord, that, that our students would know that you can have the victory in their families and in their home lives and in their school and in their bodies, God, and that we would claim that identity and that purpose in you, Heavenly Father. God, we thank you because you loved us when we didn't deserve it. And Lord, it's in your name we pray.